Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. As a transitioning service member or veteran, you have a broad skill set that can translate to a variety of corporate jobs. Your resume is often your first chance to make an impression on a recruiter or hiring manager, so you want to make sure it accurately represents your unique experiences, career progression, and what you can do for their company. If this is your first time writing a resume or you're looking for a career change, a one-size-fits-all template most likely isn't going to get your foot in the door. For today's podcast, we've brought in expert Scott Vetter, author of the best-selling book, Signs of a Great Resume, and Signs of a Great Resume Veterans Edition. Scott is a former recruiter at a Fortune 100 company, and his expertise on military veteran career transitions has been recognized by the White House, Pentagon, and veteran service organizations nationwide. In this episode, Scott provides a wide range of advice for writing a great resume, including his best tips for translating military skills for a civilian recruiter, tailoring your resume when changing careers, and mistakes to avoid. If you have any questions about this podcast or ideas for a future show, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hey, Scott, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Megan. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too, because you are going to be an expert on the topic that we're talking about. And we have talked about it a little bit in the past on the podcast um, with resumes, because that's something that our recruiters do try to help job seekers, you know, make them as good as possible so that they look civilianized, I guess I'll say. But I think you have a lot more experience in that than we do. So I'm really excited to hear from you and talk a little bit more about, you know, your books and everything that you have to offer. And, you know, before we get into that, can you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. So uh, I'm Scott Vetter, and I was a Fortune 100 recruiter. Uh, I did over 5,000 interviews in my office before I stopped counting. And like many of your recruiters, I'm sure would attest, many people's resumes are awful. And that is not unique to veterans or civilians. It's just a lot of candidates don't know what information recruiters like us need. They don't know what we expect and you know how we use that information in the job search process. And um, so I wrote a book about it, Signs of a Great Resume, chiefly to vent my own frustrations. <laughs> you know, people kept asking me, oh, what, what do you think about resumes as a recruiter? And I kept saying the same things over and over. I want quantifiable examples. I want specific details about how you can do what we need you to do in the new job. And after a while, I said, you know what, why don't I just write this down and, and get the word out to more people? So uh, in addition to venting my frustrations, I also knew it would help people. And uh, Signs of a Great Resume took off. It became a bestseller. I went on the book tour. And um, along the way, I'd always meet military veterans. And they'd say, hey, what about us? It's different when it comes to our resumes. To which I'd reply, hey, what do I know? I didn't serve. But my dad and my grandfather both did. They were both Army E6s, staff sergeants, when they got out, and nobody helped them. There were no transition programs in the Vietnam era or World War II like we have today. There was not TAP, the uh, Transitional Assistance Program offered you know, through DOD, or any other kind of support like we have for today's vets. But when I heard that today's veterans still face some of the struggles that my family faced in terms of their career after the military, I said, you know, I really need to do something about this. So I've become an expert in this space. I did that through outreach to both the veteran community and experts on the transition. And I've become an expert in articulating military skills and experiences on resumes and in interviews. I wrote a follow-up version, Signs of a Great Resume Veterans Edition, just for vets. And I've had the privilege of being twice invited to the White House, the current and previous administration, so Republican and Democratic administration, uh, serving veterans knows no politics. Um, and uh, I've been to the Army War College, I've been to um, the Pentagon, and I work with a number of veteran service organizations who are focused on helping veterans find success in the next chapter of their career. And I'm their go-to on resumes and interviews. That's so awesome. And I'm sure when you were a recruiter, um, you know, your first career that you mentioned, you probably never saw yourself getting to the point in the position that you're in today. Right. You know, I didn't even like reading books very much, never mind <laughs> writing them. Uh, and I never really thought that a big bulk of my time would be focused on military transition, because like many civilians, I felt I didn't know enough about it. You know, what What do I have to offer uh, a military vet other than my own point of view? And what I realized was 
the point of view of civilian recruiters is an underrepresented point of view in the veteran transition space. Mm -hmm. I think it's incumbent upon us as civilians who have not served, or even if you have served, to continue learning more about what's happening inside the military and what kinds of experiences and skills uh, service members may be gleaning from their military service that really are valuable to us. Importantly, I also learned it's super easy to ask questions if you don't know the answer rather than make assumptions. And I also took the time to learn more about each individual candidate and reread something if I didn't understand it or Google it or frankly phone a friend. You know, I think any of us have contacts who may have a military connection and now through the power of platforms like LinkedIn, you're never more than a couple messages away from getting something explained to you if you don't know, but you think there may be potential there. So mm -hmm. there's a role that we have to play as civilians to both educate ourselves and to reach out and extend a, a little extra time to assessing what a veteran might bring to the civilian workforce. Because what I firmly believe is veterans are some of our best employees in the civilian workforce. They're just some of the worst job candidates sometimes. And that's because the one thing the military does not make them awesome at is writing resumes and doing interviews. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, the whole asking questions, the idea of that I think really goes both ways because a lot of times, especially with the candidates that we're working with, it'll be their first interview. They've never had a job interview before, yeah. except, you know, maybe one that they had before college at like a restaurant or a gas station or, you know, any of those first jobs that we all have. And yeah. so asking those questions, if, if a hiring manager says something that you don't understand, you're not going to look, it's not going to make you look bad to ask the question. If anything, it makes you look like you're interested and you're really seeking to understand versus, you know, glossing over it, pretending, just nodding your head, and then not truly understanding what they said. So I do think that, like you said, it's incumbent upon the recruiter and whomever else may be in the interview process to take the time to ask questions about resumes, because of course, military resumes always have things on them that they don't understand. And, you know, people like you and people like us, we seek to help you make your resume easier to understand. But sometimes there's things that are missed. And sometimes you try to do it on your own and you miss some of the big things that might be confusing to a manager or recruiter but i do think that the asking of the questions goes both ways and another thing that you said that i thought was interesting about you know why you were interested in doing this with your dad and your grandfather when they came out of the military there were none of these services available it's interesting because there are a lot of services available now but i'm sure as you've seen just you know after writing your veterans edition of your book and talking to people that have read it even though those services exist, there still seems to be a gap and it still seems like um, people still struggle with their resume. And I'm curious, do you think maybe that's because the people that are teaching these services at TAP centers and um, really anywhere else, maybe it's because they don't have this civilian experience. Like you said that you you know, had 5,000 interviews, they don't have that type of experience. Yeah, I, I think that's a part of it. And let me be clear. I think the people who facilitate TAP programs through the Department of Labor, Department of Defense or otherwise are doing work for the right reasons. And there's a lot of talented people who want to help. There are a lot of organizations that extend you know, services uh, like you know, consulting with resumes with me and, and otherwise, um, where some of the services offered are not delivered by experts in the space. And I, I struggle with um, resumes that I get from other organizations where someone who believes they have a strong point of view on writing a resume doesn't have the practical recruiting experience to say, all right, is this document useful? You know, is there a benefit that a recruiter will reap from it? And especially when those uh, resume writers and, and others are people from the DOD or military or veteran community, a lot of times they can still allow language to permeate into them that will be confusing to civilians. And the most important gap we have to solve with resumes is whether or not the resume shows examples of past success that are indicators of future success and potential. And that's what Signs of a Great Resume helps people to do. When you read the books that I've created, both for veterans and otherwise, I take you from a blank page into that next job interview 
because you'll have a resume that you can tailor to the opportunities that represents the best of your experience and by the way some of your own style and personality and cultural values that are part of what makes candidates a great fit this is not a sterile black and white process of do you have skill x good then you're the best candidate that's not how this works, as any recruiter will tell you, right? There's a there's an amalgam of factors that go into what makes a great candidate and using signs of a great resume to articulate how you have demonstrated the past successes of your career, military or not, is the best way to get beyond a job description or more complicated, a military MOS, you know, military occupational specialty, they call it Army Marine Corps, um, from something that's shared with everyone who had the same job to very specific examples about what you in particular have done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's great that you share that, Scott, because resumes can really be such an important tool in your job search. And I mean, it's kind of the fundamentals of, you know, you have to have a good resume before you even start looking for jobs. You, It's just something that's essential in your job seeking process. But you know, one thing I want to ask you for your book, um, if anyone who's listening to this and thinks like, you know, why would I need a whole book on how to write my resume? Can you give us an overview of what people should expect to find in your book? Yes. So uh, thank you for asking that. You know, fundamentally, it shares the behind the scenes view of what is a recruiter going to do with this information. And a very simple filter that I give uh, everyone to put on your resume is if you were to cover your name at the top and then reread what you've written, could it apply to somebody else? Well, if it does, then you're making that biggest mistake. You're writing a resume that reads like a job description. And so it's not good enough. The other filter that you can consider is, you know, if it's got your name on the top, sure, it's gonna be your information, but the resume is actually not about you. It's about what you can do for your prospective employer. And everything you write has to be filtered with that in mind. So Signs of a Great Resume and Signs of a Great Resume Veterans Edition talks you through how to articulate not just what you have done, but what you've achieved that's relevant whether that's in a, um, a chronological format where it's job by job and place by place, or whether we have to adapt how your information is presented. And, and we'll talk about that in a bit as far as uh, some different approaches I give, in addition to uh, a template for a cover letter that you will customize and make your own, but gives you a strong foundation, even if you have absolutely no understanding of how to write a resume, cover letter, or anything else. I love what you said. Your resume is not about you. It's about what you can do for an employer because I, I mean, I think that kind of sums up why it's so important too. I mean, it's just most people think, how can I put down every single thing that I've done and tell them about me? But at the end of the day, they don't, I mean, I, I don't want to say they don't care about it, but that's not the most important thing to them. Well, I'll, I'll say it. I, I often joke with my Navy SEAL clients. I, I work, I've worked with hundreds of Navy SEALs on their transition and on their resumes in particular. And I often joke with them and I say, can you swim? And they go, yeah. I say, good. I don't care. Because unless you're <laughs> applying to be a swim instructor or like an aquatic safety manager or something, your ability to swim does not impact your ability to do this job in most instances. So it's not that veterans have a lack of stuff that they're able to do. Quite the contrary is true. Veterans are highly skilled in so many things. And it's remarkable the diversity of experiences many vets may have. I was talking just this morning uh, to an Air Force veteran. He's now 25 years into his career. And uh, he started enlisted uh, and he was a firefighter. And then he went on to do significantly more complex roles in things like HR and information technology. But you don't meet a lot of HR, IT firefighters in your day to day, but you certainly do when you're talking to veterans. It's a really interesting mix of skills they bring, but it's not every skill and everything they've done that we need to focus on. It's what are the things you've done that utilize transferable skills that relate to what you're going to do for us, the prospective employer. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what our recruiters see a lot of times where you will receive a first draft resume from a candidate that's, you know, four pages and you're like, you got to, you got to narrow it down a little bit. You don't have to list every last thing. So I can, I can definitely see that. And I know we're going to talk a little bit later about some of the mistakes people make on their resumes and stuff. So who knows, maybe that's one of them, but I know that's definitely something that we see here where it's like you said, they, they are so skilled 
veterans have such a diverse skill set and, you know, lots of things that they've accomplished, but is it relevant to the employer? And that's something that you always have to look at it through that lens. Yeah. And as far as the length of the resume goes, I really don't care how long it is. And I'm sure most recruiters don't, as long as it's just showing the most relevant information in a way that's easy to read and navigate. I think mm-hmm. in most instances, that's probably a page or two. But by the time you're on a page three, who's reading that? You know, that yeah. there's really just not time. Any recruiter will tell you, I've got way more resumes than hours in the day. So there's no way we're going over every single word of every resume. Uh, and part of the difficulty that um, it, the TAP program and others face is they're talking to audiences who are going to go a couple different routes with their civilian career. And if you go to the federal government route, a federal resume is apt to be much longer because the Fed has different standards for what they're assessing. Um, And though I've never been a federal recruiter, this was part of my learning journey was to reach out and talk to some federal recruiters. And the Fed is trying to make a very subjective question, who's the best candidate, into an objective process. What data shows me who the best candidate is? So their expectations on the detail in a resume are different, such as listing 40 hours a week for every full-time job, Um, even though you may work many more than that, especially on deployments, they're racking up points towards those KSAs, the knowledge, skills, and uh, abilities that are required in the posting to try to make the process fair. And things like veterans' preference certainly help. Uh, If you need to learn about veterans' preference, you can go to the VA and and get an assessment of uh, what your veteran preference rating is. And for persons with an up to 30% disability rating or higher, um, there are different levels of preference that you get rated at. Uh, And so that information is longer and more comprehensive. And if you're doing a single class on resumes where you're going to learn about federal resumes and civilian resumes and, you know, what to do if you're an entrepreneur, you just can't learn everything in one class, no matter how long you spend in the TAP program. Uh, So I think that's part of the difficulty we may see when we see really long resumes, is it may be informed from that federal resume approach, which is just different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you cover those different types of resumes in the book? Yes. And the good news is Signs of a Great Resume works for federal resumes and civilian resumes alike, because the, the very basic analysis is still the same. What is the evidence that shows that you have experience doing what we need you to do? The Fed provides a little more structure around how they assess that experience uh, and, you know, assignments of points against KSAs and whatnot. um, But the same details need to come to life. And what I teach in Signs of a Great Resume Veterans Edition is no matter where you're applying your skills as a vet, in the federal government with a GS job or at a, a startup, the same information using the signs of a great resume to articulate those specific and quantifiable examples is what will make your resume speak for itself. Mm -hmm. I think that's really great. Now, when you were coming out with the book or when you were first coming together with the idea of the veterans edition, because I know you had the, um, the, I don't know, civilian, I want to say the civilian version, you had your first version already, and then you decided to do the veterans edition. Since you do not have a military background yourself, did you work with anybody to kind of get what are some of the main pain points that I'll want to address in the book or kind of how did that come about? Yeah, so that's in part um, related to some of the um, uh, connections I've made through this uh, advocacy work. Uh, When I first started learning, I, I wanted to know really what is the best information out there about the pain points? Um, I attended a program that was keynoted by First Lady Michelle Obama. Uh, I actually got to meet her for a really neat selfie moment <laughs> at the event. Uh, and uh, it, it really jump-started when I asked her, I said, you know, how can I help? Um, I connected with uh, members in what was then known as the Joining Forces program. Uh, and that was a program put together by First Lady Michelle Obama and Dr. Joe Biden uh, to help with understanding and sharing data about Uh, the military transition. And uh, so there's still uh, some information you can get from that program on the White House Archives site uh, through the Joining Forces uh, information. Uh, And then also there was a program at the Pentagon called the Warrior and Family Support uh, Group, which was out of the office of the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And that's where my eyes were really opened on the veteran landscape, because there are now more than 50,000 nonprofit organizations who serve veterans in America. 50,000. 
So it can be hard for veterans to navigate, uh, where do I even go for the best help? Uh, mm -hmm. And so me getting information directly from sources like the White House and the Pentagon, in addition to some of the leading uh, experts in this space on veteran transition, really was a part of that journey. But fortunately, I also had plenty of vets in my network already, just by the course of you know having worked 20 years and uh, met a lot of people and some military spouses too. And uh, I recognize that to this day, we still have a significant challenge in military spouse unemployment and underemployment. Employment. And that's in part because as they follow around a service member who's you know, getting deployed or PCSing, permanent change of station, all around the world, um, spouses have difficulty maintaining st stability of employment. Uh, that, I think, is changing a bit, which may be one silver lining to this whole uh, work from home uh, revolution that we're in. Uh, and I think hopefully we'll start to make a dent in spouse employment because now more jobs can travel with you wherever you go. Uh, spouses are an important part of the success of the mission in the military, I've learned, uh, just in how they support whomever is serving and their families, as well as their community. So I wrote a whole chapter in Signs of a Great Resume Veterans Edition uh, called Heroes at Home. And it's just focused on how you can explain work that you're doing as a military spouse uh, in your resume as well uh, to showcase the many great qualities that you bring to the civilian workforce, too. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So, you know, just I was looking at your website and seeing, and you mentioned it a few times about um, the recognition that you've received through the Pentagon, the Army War College, just being invited to the White House. How did that come about? Was it just connections that you had? And then, you know, when you were there, what did that look like? I think I saw on your website that you um, did like an interview workshop. Yeah, uh, so it's been a neat journey, and I'll always caveat, I infer no endorsement of any kind by the Department of Defense or any politicians or anybody uh, by saying this is just a matter of fact uh, that I have twice uh, visited the White House on invitation. And the first was from the Joining Forces office, uh, where I was able to connect with senior leader there uh, to talk through some of what veterans are facing uh, and how I might be able to help. It was very much an inspiration for some of the work I've since put forth uh, into the, um, the veteran work space, I'll say. Uh, most recently, uh, during the current administration, a, a client of mine was actually a director on the National Security Council. Uh, and so having worked with this individual, uh, they invited me to share my resume and interview workshop with the White House military office. And um, you know, that's a, a thousand or so people that uh, work in various capacities, everything from um, you know uh, driving and managing where the, the beast, the uh, limousine shows up when the president's moving around to Camp David, Air Force One, of course. Um, and even the, uh, the the very famous suitcase you'll see in close proximity to the president. Uh, but, uh, you know, I did a, a presentation there, which is a real career highlight. And, um, you know, the, the angle on that was not, hey, you know, you should do something new. It's here at some point in your career, you will separate from the military. And here are things to be thinking about now. Um, I, I always advocate, you know, full focus and dedication to the mission while you're in. And in the back of your mind, while you're fully focused, be be noting, you know, oh, you know, this is an interesting part of my mission that I feel rewarded by. Like I ask that very often to veterans in transition. I say, what is it that really gets you excited about your the work that you've done? And I don't mean the the tactical operation that you led or you know your day to day technical skills. What gives you a sense of fulfillment and purpose with serving in the military? And as you note those things throughout your military career those can be a good basis for both what you pursue in your civilian career and how you bring them to life on your resume. Uh, and uh, you can certainly write those into your evals and fit reps if you're currently serving. Uh, and Uncle Sam um, keeps some pretty good records. So uh, those are great places to go back for data later on. Uh, but you know, visiting the White House, Pentagon, the Army War College was for the um, you know, National Security Seminar. They uh, invite civilians to share perspective in part to bridge this gap that we're talking to. Uh, so I was privileged to be among the invited guests uh, last year in 2019 uh, to the Army War College for that uh, week-long seminar. Uh, really interesting work that's going on at, at the senior most levels of leadership development uh, for the future of our military and, and foreign partners too. Mm -hmm. And I like that you said that they invite civilians to provide perspective to bridge the gap because I do think that, you know, part of our appeal to veterans who come to work with us um, on their resume or in their job search, really anything is that they know that all of our recruiters are former military and, you know, understand their background and, you know, know what challenges they face. But it's like we talked about earlier. 
even though we're doing great work and the transition assistance programs, they're doing great work and everybody has good intentions. When you do have a military background, it's easy to gloss over a military firm that maybe we are familiar with, but a civilian employer wouldn't be. Yeah. And, you know, I've experienced that myself with individual talent. And I can recall a very distinct example where I interviewed an Air Force NCO who had on the order of 20 years experience. I don't know if he retired or not. Um, and just great leadership capabilities and experience. And he was applying for an advancement in, a, in an organization I was working with. And when I forwarded his name along as a, I thought, top potential candidate, the hiring manager looked at me and said, why? I don't get it. And I said, what do you mean you don't get it? He said, well, this, this person's new here. Like he barely has any experience. Why would we promote him? I said, barely, barely any experience. He's got two decades of very complex leadership experience in a very dangerous environment, in a very uh, constantly changing environment in the Air Force. And uh, by the way, a lot more um, leadership experience than someone with five years experience fresh out of college has. So I had to do a, a real uphill climb with this not veteran uh, hiring manager to really pitch this candidate effectively because the facts just didn't support um, on paper, at least, uh, his story, and in part because he did not clearly articulate his uh, experience on his resume. Um, but that's not what I was helping him with. You know, I was trying <laughs> to play that intermediary part. And as a recruiter, I recognize that can be challenging when you have a hiring manager who is not keen on, uh, you know, anything but the the tunnel vision point of view they have on top talent. Uh, it's part of our job to help educate. Uh, if we can do that before a uh, an opportunity opens, I think that's better, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of digress there. But the, the point is, uh, it's important to be advocates in the civilian workforce for veterans, even if they're not advocating well for themselves. Mm -hmm. And as an advocate over the years, I know that you've, you know, served as a resource for veterans through your book. I'm sure people have reached out to you on social media and just through your website asking um, just questions, general questions about their resumes. And I think you have this included in your book, but I want to talk through some of the frequently asked questions that you're asked about resumes. So I'll just, you know, read the questions that I've got here that you shared with me that people are asking you a lot, and then you can tell me what your response to them would be. Sounds great. Okay, so number one is, what is your best tip for writing a resume? The best tip is to make sure that you do not write a resume that reads like a job description. I mentioned a little before, but it bears repeating. Recruiters, how many times do you get a resume that's like, I'm an English teacher, taught English classes, graded papers, tracked grades, prepared students for the next level? whoop de doo right? Every English teacher could write that. That's just the job description of an English teacher. So what I say is to get to those specific and quantifiable examples, you use these signs of a great resume I've been talking about to articulate and quantify and explain the best parts of your experience. So the signs of a great resume are actually the symbols on your keyboard. If you look down at your keyboard right now, above the numbers one through five, you'll see the signs of a great resume. The first is the exclamation point. Wow, look at what I did. Nobody else could say this. A really remarkable type of achievement. The at symbol, defining at what point you worked, at what point you gained this experience, and at what point it became relevant to the job search. And some numbers, dollars, and percent to help to quantify and explain the, the difference and the results that you've driven in previous jobs in a way that's very specific to your experience. When you use the signs of a great resume, you're not writing a job description. You're giving me a clear picture of how your past success relates to what I need you to do in the prospective employer's organization. That's the best way to write a resume that speaks for itself. Okay, so number two, how do I translate my military skills so a civilian recruiter understands? Yeah, so I get this question a lot, and uh, it's because most civilians have not served. We just don't understand military jargon and acronyms. Now, it's kind of easy to say, well, just don't use abbreviations, but there's deeper layers to that. Uh, and so because the military has a very specific language and you know, use of terms that is unique in the military uh, sphere compared to civilians, what I like to say to my clients for resumes is when you're talking to civilians, I want you to close your eyes a moment and picture an 11-year-old child somewhere in your life 
whose parents are not in the military. Can you picture that kid? Well, that kid knows about as much about the military as most civilian adults. So you can't trust us to understand what you're talking about unless a fifth grader would understand you. You have to pass what I call the smart fifth grader test with every word you write on your resume. And this holds true for interviews too. Uh, the first question on the smart fifth grader test is, are you using simple language? Language so clear an 11 year old would get it. And the simple answer to that is a lot of times, no. So even if you strip away the acronyms, I always give people the acronym SEAL for free, because I think if you explain to most civilians it means sea, air, and land teams, you just confuse them more. <laughs> uh, but most of the acronym and jargon needs to go. Uh, beyond that though, even words that service members use every day mean different things to us in the civilian world. Something as simple as deployed, which means got sent somewhere, might mean to me how parachutes function, they deploy. You know, if a service member says a joint agency, they're talking about like an interagency team of some sort. If I say joint, I mean arthritis or marijuana. <laughs> so you really need to simplify the language. This, the good news is if you talk to me so simply that an 11 year old would get it and I happen to be a retired army colonel, I'll understand it too. It's just, you're statistically unlikely that the recruiter is going to be a retired veteran, except for you know, places like Orion where so many of them are. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why the, the default, the simplest way uh, to explain things is always the clearest way. And a, a veteran could, who knows more might go, oh, well, was that part of JSOC? And oh, sure, oh, that's what you meant. Oh, cool, I was assigned to it. And you can you know, riff on it from there, but start simple. Mm -hmm. um, yes. The, well, well I, I let me, go ahead, yeah. I was gonna say, well, even if you think that it's simplified, like you said, you wanna write it so that anyone can understand it. So you might think it's simplified and potentially you're not working with Orion and you know, in your network, you've found an interview or a, maybe an opportunity with another company. And so you send your resume to someone who has military experience. Like the example that you shared about, um, you know, a resume that you had seen in the past and tried to bring it to, one of your other coworkers and they said, no, this guy doesn't have enough experience. Same thing here. You might submit your resume, the person you know within your network understands it all, but they're most likely gonna have to show it to somebody else who's gonna make the hiring decision. So they need to understand it too. Exactly, and what I always tell my resume review clients is, the recruiter's job essentially is to become your sales agent and they need to go pitch you to the hiring manager and say, hey, this person can do what you need them to do, and, and I think you need to meet them. I've already vetted them. Now, the recruiter, if the recruiter's military savvy, needs to be able to translate that on their own. And great, if your recruiters can do that, fantastic. But why not, as a candidate, make that even easier for the recruiter in any scenario, whether the recruiter's a veteran or not, to say, here's what I think the value is that I bring to this opportunity. It's these specific skills and examples, and they're said as simply as possible. Candidates are not paid based on the number of words they write on their resume and how many syllables they have. I think most recruiters I've met would prefer a much simpler phrase, uh, much more simply phrased resume than some complex you know, corporate speak or military jargon that says a whole lot of nothing. Mm -hmm. I saw some stat one time and I can, you might know what it is, I can't, or I'm sure there's several out there, but I, it was something about how long a recruiter actually looks at a resume. And I want to say yeah. it was like less than 30 seconds or something. So yeah, the, the study I remember said somewhere between seven and 30 seconds. And I think okay. that sounds about right for how long it takes us to go no or maybe. And then we might reread the maybes later on, right? Right. Um, yeah. Seven to 30 seconds is not a long time to catch anybody's attention. Uh, so you have to do it quickly. I always advocate a quick summary of qualifications at the top of the resume. Uh, I look at the summary like the movie trailer of your resume. So, you know, if you're writing a film preview, right? Like in a world where this is my <laughs> experience, you know, what you would say to entice me that's something I could probably read in seven to 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then go deeper into the examples later on when, I, when you're in the Navy pile. That summary of qualifications can become the recruiter's pitch to the hiring manager if it's well-written. And if they've read Signs of a Great Resume, they'll learn how to craft that summary of qualifications in a way that is compelling, uh, to the point, and uh, really makes the, the most of a quick uh, review of a resume. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so moving on to the next one. How can I ensure my how can I ensure the leadership traits, moral compass, values, and soft skills that I've honed in the military come across effectively on my resume? 
Well, before we go to that one, and that's a great question, um, I think let's go back real quick to the smart fifth grader test, because I okay. mentioned there are three questions that we only covered one, and the other two are just as important. So in addition to, are you using simple language? The next question to think about for the smart fifth grader test is, are you broadcasting good news only? Now, I recognize the business of fighting war is not always good news, but civilians don't need to hear about knocking down doors and finding bad guys, right? What we want to know is how did you make the world a better place? So for every bullet that you write on a resume, you have to include some kind of good news. It's not enough to say, I did a thing. You have to say, I did it well, and here's why it matters. Uh, a veteran I was working with the other day, he was in a senior strategy type role at a, a high level command, and he was responsible for a $400 million portfolio. I said, well, you're never going to have that kind of budgetary responsibility again in the civilian world, most jobs, right? So mm -hmm. I'd rather than him say responsible for a $400 million program, I'd rather him say what he did that was good news about how he managed it. Because you could write responsible for $400 million and you could mismanage $400 million of hard-earned taxpayer money. <laughs> it's, it's, there's no good news in saying that. So I'd rather hear you made a, a savings of a quarter million dollars by eliminating redundancies or you helped improve how quickly we got the program accomplished by you know, up to 20%, if you want to fairly estimate, uh, to show me that you can find ways to do work more effectively. So good news is the focus. And the third and final question for our smart fifth grader is, are you getting to the point quickly? Because both a civilian recruiter and an 11 year old have a really short attention span. <laughs> So this goes back to the you know idea of seven to 30 second review. Well, for every bullet, I want you to get to the point quickly of why you're writing this bullet. Now I'm told there's a military term that works nicely here, bluff, bottom line up front. And that's just saying what you need to say right away. Um, the way I think about bluff as a civilian is, tell me a fairy tale backwards. For every bullet, they all lived happily ever after. Good news, because once upon a time, eh, here's some details if you need it. Yeah, that's really good. I like that you mentioned um, the whole good news type of thing, because I feel like with a lot, you know, the example that you gave about someone using the numbers, well, they would think really before you said that, you know, you gave the example of using dollars. And that's like one of the things that you've got when you yeah. say the signs. And so they'll say like, oh, well, I managed 400 million. That's a great thing to put. But without knowing the context and how you were successful in that and all the things that you just mentioned, it kind of misses the point. It shows that you are responsible for something, but it doesn't really say what that would do for an employer and why that makes you a good candidate. Yeah, you need to keep asking yourself as you review each bullet on your resume, so what? What is the civilian employer going to do with this information? Okay, it was a $400 million budget. Well, we have big budgets in the military. So mm -hmm. what? what? Why does the small company that you're applying to care about how much money Uncle, Spans, uh, Uncle, Sam's, <laughs> Uncle Sam spends on something? <laughs> Can't even get it out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. um, the, the answer is they don't care about that other than perhaps as an American taxpayer that it's used responsibly. What they care about is how does that mean you can help them? So that is the question you're continually having to ask yourself. So what, what will they do with this information? Mm -hmm. And you, know, you have such limited real estate on your resume, because as we've said, you, you probably don't want it to be like, you know, five pages long. Like you said before, the length isn't necessarily the biggest thing is that just making sure that all of the information is relevant and is going to help you get the job. Yeah. But so for me, like if, if somebody were to say that they manage, you know, some large sum of money, that might pique my interest. But with, you know, with the amount of space that you have on the resume and wanting to make it all count, is there something that you could put there that would be better and more impactful? So right. I think that's a good takeaway for me because I wouldn't have thought about that. I would have thought the first example that you gave was fine. Yeah. And another very common example I see is rated number one out of 50 peers or some iteration of that. And to that I go, so what? Right now, it's good. It's notable. And that means you're really good amongst your peers. But in the context of that being in your military experience, that means you're really good at whatever you do in the military, which is not directly in many cases what you're going to do for me. But the bigger problem with that is that I have no context for what makes you number one out of 50 people. You know, so it's not enough to say number one because I'm left to guess why you're number one. So it's it's a quantifiable example, one out of 50. But unless you give the context and answer the so what, 
that isn't what the highlight should be. The same goes with awards and honors. You know, I see a lot of people with a whole section of medals on their resume. And it's like, this is everything I've ever got. Okay, so what? Now, that's not to diminish the import of the medal. I'm very proud and happy that you achieved these things. But is it relevant to the civilian? And the simple way to include medals and, and recognition is rather than just list the medals, because let's face it, civilians have heard of the Purple Heart and the Medal of Honor, and they don't know what those mean fully, probably. You know? mm -hmm. um, so instead of listing medals, you can tack a medal on to the end of an achievement as a bullet. And that then brings to life, oh, this example was so important with the data right up front that shows why it's good news that the Navy pinned something on his shirt for it. Fantastic. And now that helps to validate the bullet. It shows some accomplishment. Similarly to, you know, if you list an accomplishment and a result you delivered with your team, and by the way, you were the top rated amongst 50 peers in your uh, area of focus because of the achievement you just told me about. All of these things are important. They all matter. You just have to tell me why they matter in the context of this conversation. Yeah, those are all great examples. Okay, so moving on to the next one that I got ahead of myself last time. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll go to the next one. How can I ensure the leadership traits, moral compass, values, and soft skills I've honed in the military come across effectively on my resume? So for this, I've created something a lot of veterans tell me they love, an acronym. Uh, so <laughs> the acronym is, I want you to tell recruiters, I am a patriot. And it's an acronym for, I possess values, I'm accountable, I'm trainable, I'm respectful, I take initiative, I'm on time, and I'm a team player. When you describe, using the signs of a great resume, examples of how you've demonstrated these patriot qualities, you're teaching civilians about the, how your values and your leadership traits have come across. And those words about you know, possessing values and accountability and taking initiative, all of the Patriot idea is something every civilian employer wants in every civilian employee. <laughs> you know, they, they are the absolute uh, top qualities I think that every employer wants, irrespective of job or field. Military veterans and spouses, I believe, just have these qualities by and large by default. I think I can't imagine most veterans would disagree. You know, I think that if you articulate these values in the specific way that shows why you're a great fit using quantifiable examples, you really stand out and help to show why it's so valuable to hire veterans. You know, this talks to the value proposition that veterans bring. It's more than technical expertise. It's all of the patriot qualities that help su supplement all of the technical skills and experience that veterans bring to the civilian workforce. And I think it's a big part of why they thrive once they make that transition. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier the signs to include on your resume. So I know another question that you get is where can I find those signs to include on my resume? Great. So you may have been doing evals and fit reps throughout your military career, and they are a great source of this information. Now, the phrasing is going to be a little different, sure. And the point is not to get promoted or, you know, to just say what you've done. But some of the data resides in those. Fortunately, the National Archives keeps all of those in, uh, documents. So you can just go to the National Archives and search for your military service records of which your evals will be included. Uh, and then also the VA has a lot of great resources. Veterans One Source is a great place to go, especially if you need to figure out things like uh, your uh, disability rating for a veteran's preference, again, only for federal resumes. And again, you would only list up to 30% disability rating because you don't get extra um, consideration beyond 30%. So 30% is the highest you need to list, even if you have up to 100% rating. Uh, but the VA uh, website and the National Archives are great places to go. Another great place is just talking to your colleagues that you worked with. Call up your fellow soldiers and say, hey, you know, when we did this thing, do you remember, is there a, a nugget in there about what was helpful that I added to this program? Or ask your commanding officer if, if you still are in touch with them and say, hey, why did you call me for stuff? You know, like what, what stood out to you? It's sometimes difficult to be fully objective about one's own contributions, especially when you're in a selfless service like serving your country in the military. And I get a lot of vets tell me, you know, oh, I don't like talking about myself, to which I reply, good, I don't want you to talk about yourself. 
I want you to talk about what you can do for me. <laughs> so, you know, I recognize fully there's no I in team, but there are two I's in interview and one of them is the first letter. So we, we do need to know what you in particular did, uh, but you don't have to get there all on your own. You can ask for help and you can ask for help uh, with your resume and uh, interview skills throughout uh, your career because it, this is never a solo mission. You are not alone in this and there are great resources available to help you. I, I'm proud to be among them. I'm laughing because as I'm looking at the signs to include on my resume, I'm wondering if in the era of social media, if you ever have anyone think that uh, there's that's a hashtag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because when you line up the signs of a great resume all together, it does look like a curse word in a comic strip <laughs> or like an <laughs> at tag on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it'll throw some social media off if you're, if you're quoting those in a row. Um, but importantly, you know, these are also a metaphor. I don't want you actually writing exclamation points all over right. your resume because it'll seem like you're yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so moving on to the next question. What if I'm changing careers or my prior experience doesn't seem to align with my desired civilian job? And I think this is a big one. So I'm I'm really interested to hear your answer. Yeah, so most resumes, as recruiters will tell you, and most job seekers will tell you, start with the reverse chronological format. Here's the job I do now or most recently, and here's what I did before that and before that. And that's fine. It's the right way to start because it's how we all live our career, job by job, place by place, one right after another. But it only makes the most sense to do that when the thing you want to go do next relates to the thing that you've done most recently. So if you're a JAG who wants to be a lawyer, great, you're a lawyer. You can talk about being a lawyer in the Air Force as much as you can talk about being a lawyer in the civilian world. That lines up. If you're a hospital corpsman who wants to go to nursing school, fantastic. If you're a Navy SEAL who wants to go to private equity investing, or a Green Beret who wants to be a uh, management consultant, or I, I work with an Air Force um, uh, like a technician in, in avionics, I think, and he wants to work in distribution somewhere doing something very different, that, do, that doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, they're not sitting around Booz Allen Hamilton going, you know what would be great if a bunch of Navy SEALs applied for this <laughs> consultant? That's not the top of their mind. Now, if they're savvy, and they've met some Navy SEALs, they probably know, hey, Navy SEALs, they might actually be you know, pretty ripe talent for us to get uh, into this firm because a lot of a Navy SEALs job is like consulting. You know, they're a force multiplier. They go and influence foreign partners and leaders to really make whatever they're doing better and more effective. And they get tasked with some of the hardest missions. Well, it's hard to say that if the first thing on your resume is Naval Special Warfare Development Group, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Special Operator Class, whatever. You know, uh, and you, they're not going to understand what a lead breacher does you know, or, or how a sniper can be a, a relevant uh, background to have in private equity investing. So instead of a reverse chronological format, I'm an advocate of a blended functional format. Now, I know there's a collective gasp going on from some recruiters who go, oh, no, functional resumes. And I hear you. The problem a lot of recruiters, including me, have with functional resumes is they lack context. It's just a big list of accomplishments in various buckets of skills that don't connect with where have you done this? What, what do you do? And so I don't advocate pure functional resumes because I don't think they're effective in telling the whole story. A blended functional format would start with a summary of qualifications, the movie trailer, and then instead of job by job with examples under each, you'd go skill that's important to the recruiter and another and another, and the best three to five examples or so of how you've demonstrated that skill from any job at any time in any order that you want. By doing this, you're putting the bluff, the bottom line up front, and the good news first about why your skills relate to the civilian employer's opportunity, how you've demonstrated those skills, and then you keep going. You give me a work history at the bottom of that that becomes kind of a brief summary of the jobs you've done and where you've had them. And those could even be bucketed into the big chapters of your career. So if you were a, you know, a, a more of a strategist for the last five years of your Navy career, and then before then you were more of a manager in an operation of some sort for 10 years or so, and when you first started, you did a very different NES and you were maybe enlisted before you commissioned, um, there's the, another big chapter but I don't need to know every single assignment and every single granular detail of you know, where you sat and what billet you held at what rank. But I do need the context. And I think all recruiters crave that context. 
When you mm -hmm. write a, a blended functional format, you're giving recruiters an opportunity to jump around in a way that we can use whatever information we need effectively. And it's not just forced into this chronology that may not serve you well, which is the story of a lot of um, like 06s, colonels and captains from the Navy, for instance, uh, army colonels who come into the Pentagon for the last like six months of their tour they're you know, before they retire, they're, you know, doing something strategic at the Pentagon. But that's not their main career focus. Maybe they were a brigade commander who led 3000 people doing all sorts of complicated things. But now that's two jobs ago. Well, why should you talk about sitting at the Pentagon for a few months first, if the most relevant thing on your resume was two jobs ago? Let's just talk about what's most relevant first, and then give me a chronology where all the questions I have about, oh, so what did you do and where, will be answered. Yeah, definitely. So I think we've maybe covered a little bit of this just based on the conversation that we've had so far, but what are some of the biggest mistakes that you think people make on their resumes? Well, the biggest mistakes that people make is they think they need to do it alone and they get very frustrated with it and they don't know where to go. And so they start to either give up and they just say, well, this is what I've got and I guess it'll have to work. Or they just copy and paste off of somebody else's resume. They say, oh, my friend did the same thing. And so I'm just gonna write what she wrote. Okay, well, that's plagiarism and uh, <laughs> that's not gonna work because you don't have the same experience as she does. You're an individual with different experiences. So the most important advice I think is to feel free to reach out for help. And this is true of both veterans and recruiters. I encourage you to connect with me on LinkedIn if you have a question and you can't get an answer to it or you're, you're wondering how a candidate could better explain something or you're a job seeker and you just don't know how to put two and two together on this one point you're trying to make, reach out and ask for help. I, I'm privileged to connect with and engage with a number of veteran service organizations who support military transition. And you know, it's impossible for me to name all of them to do fair justice, but a few powerful ones I think are the Commit Foundation, the SEAL Future Foundation, and the Navy Special Operations Foundation. Um, they provide transition assistance. Uh, and uh, again, I help support their mission with resume and interview work. Uh, it's a real privilege to do that. But they're a friendly place to go for help. And just like with anything, you don't have to do this alone. You're not alone. And there are people who want to help you. And so if you need that guidance for a transition, go to an organization like one of these. It also could benefit you to seek a mentor uh, in a formalized relationship with a friendly face who wants to help you. So groups like American Corporate Partners, ACP, provide year-long mentorships where top civilian leaders, including me, I've been a mentor for them for some years, uh, get paired with an individual veteran and we work together for a year. And we kind of develop that story around, you know, what, what are you going through? What are you feeling about your job search? And if you're feeling lost or you're feeling uh, frustrated, you're in good company. Everybody feels this way. <laughs> you know, I don't think I've met a service member yet who's been, Yahoo, I'm so excited to write resumes and to do interviews. That doesn't happen. I often recant a, a quick story. I was working with a retired two-star coming out of Army Special Forces. And this general, smart guy, capable, he could do anything he wanted, right? Um, he says to me, he says, Scott, for the first time in a long time, I didn't feel like a pretty smart guy last week because I walked into AT&T and I don't know how to buy a cell phone. The Army has handed me every cell phone I have ever owned. How the heck do you think I feel trying to write a resume? So if a special forces general is having that question and everybody I meet has the same question, you're in good company and you aren't alone. Ask for help, we're there to help you. Mm -hmm. In the example that you gave earlier about the resume, like not just copying someone else's resume is huge because I think that a lot of veterans they will default to doing something like that, like having one of their friends that's already transitioned, send them their resume, copy it, kind of update it to put their own spin on it and then call it a day. So I would say maybe a big mistake is just underestimating the importance of having a great resume because, you know, like you said, you submit resumes, you only have so many, the recruiters only have so much time to look at it. If it's not something that catches their attention, you're automatically counted out. 
And a lot of people might think, well, this is just, you know, my resume is just my resume. It'll tell some of the things I've done and then I can explain more in the interview process. But you're not always going to have that opportunity to explain more. Yeah. And uh, I think that the resume is something you can start writing immediately as soon as the thought crosses your mind that, hey, sometime, someday I'm going to need this in the future. Even if you don't think you'll be, be out of the military for 10 years, start writing your resume now. The worst time to write a resume is when you need it <laughs> because now you're you're under pressure and there's a timeline and a recruiter's going, hey, I need you to submit your resume. Go, go, go. So don't do that. Write it now and get it out of the way and create what I call your base resume. And then you put too much information on it. Have it be too many pages. Everything you can think of that might be relevant, put on it. And then as you apply for a job, you'll tailor it. And you know, tailoring your resume is not fundamentally different than tailoring clothes. It'd be ridiculous to wake up every morning and try to manufacture new clothes to wear. So you don't, <laughs> but periodically you tailor them so they fit just right. And the same is true of your resume. I think the other big mistake people make is thinking they should only use their resume to apply for jobs. So unless they're applying, they don't need one. Well, the best way to apply for a job is not to. Ideally, you want to be building relationships, whether that's like with a recruiter at Orion or through another source as a hiring manager, potentially, um, that you can build a relationship with and start to understand how you might add value in the future and start to understand what their priorities are and understand where you may have gaps. You know, there are some technical skill gaps that veterans may have, both in systems that we use that are different from military systems or in credentials. And so if those gaps exist, learn about that now because there's potential for you to pursue certifications and credentialing while you're still in, or at least to get those afterwards and get on a plan quickly to go through you know, programs like Onward to Opportunity out of Syracuse uh, that offer PMP uh, training and that type of thing. Uh, when you know in advance that you have a deficiency of some sort that you can solve for, you can start making progress towards it. And when you know in advance the things that you're doing today that are really valuable for recruiters and hiring managers, you can start to write those on your resume immediately. Mm -hmm. So Scott, you mentioned that you're a mentor through American Corporate Partners. Do you have any success stories that you can share either through that mentorship or, or something that someone has shared with you as a result of reading your book? Yeah, you know, I, I'm so proud uh, to have helped. I've now met and engaged with over 1,000 veterans one-on-one -on -one, uh, through my uh, work supporting nonprofits and, and otherwise, including with American Corporate Partners. Um, so I, I love that there are a lot of success stories that I've played a small part in, and I'm by no means one to take credit for their success. You know, I, I help articulate your story in a way that explains why you're already successful. That's, that's really, I'm like a translator in a way. Uh, and I'm teaching veterans uh, to fish. You know, I, I don't really like writing resumes myself, so I don't tend to do that very often. Uh, instead, I love teaching people in a way that gives you a skill that you will use forever. And a, an example that stands out to me and why this work is my absolute passion um, is I was talking with a, a supervising agent from the FBI. And you know, he and I were talking, and I wasn't doing his resume, I was talking about the work that I'm doing. And I was giving him an example of a, a service member who had some struggles along the way. Uh, and this uh, FBI agent says to me, he says, Scott, the work you're doing is not just about writing resumes. It might just be saving people's lives. And that stuck with me because so much of our identity is formed around what we do for work. And that is certainly true of a lot of service members that I've met, that a lot of their core identity is now related to their military service. And at the end of that service, there's a big question of, so now what? How am I gonna get that sense of purpose and fulfillment? Well, those of us who are doing work in this space, including recruiters at Orion and others, who are helping veterans to find that next chapter of their success, we really might be saving lives because we're giving people hope we're giving them a way to bring food home to the family. We're giving them an opportunity to find that future success. And that was real humbling to hear. And I keep that with me because it reminds me of the import of this work. You know, we spend eight hours a day at work on a good day, you know, maybe longer. That's a third of your day. So for a third of your life, you're at work. 
and having a successful and fulfilling employment experience, both in working every day and in pursuing that employment is super important. So that's why it, it was a pleasure to be a recruiter. It's a pleasure to do this work. And it's a real privilege to be able to do it, supporting our military service members and their families. Yeah. And it's been a privilege to have you. Thank you so much. I think this was all so valuable. And I'm, of course, would encourage anybody to check out your book. We'll link to it when we post the podcast, because just based on what you shared today, I feel like it's just a wealth of information. So I'm looking forward to checking it out, too. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me. I appreciate it. And people often ask me, all right, well, that's of you on resumes what's what's the point of you on interviews and i tell them well it's pretty similar uh the signs of a great interview are the same signs and maybe we can uh you know circle back on that at some point in the future but coming soon to a uh online retailer near you signs of a great interview is a book i'll be publishing hopefully in the latter part of 2020 uh so keep your eyes and ears peeled there and maybe we can circle back on that topic too Oh, yes, I definitely would like to have you back for that. I mean, you've touched on a variety of things that I think we could have a whole other follow up episode. So we will definitely be in touch. Great. Thanks so much, Megan. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond. So make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.